Welcome into the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast, where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. The only rule is that we have to watch a movie that is below a 6.0 on IMDb. This podcast is coming in a day late because Rob has just gotten back from vacation. Rob, how was your trip, man? Very, very good. A little R&R, a little beach time, a little pool time, a little, little time away from work, but I'm excited to be back. We are doing Godzilla today, the 1998 movie. This movie is rated a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb with almost 200,000 votes. This movie was available on Tubi. That's where I watched it. Is that where you watched it? Yeah, free on Tubi. Oh, free with ads, but it was on Tubi. <laughs> the ads actually on Tubi aren't that bad. I can put up with the ads on Tubi. I mean, there aren't many, and they're like 30 seconds, so it's very palatable. The plot line, French nuclear tests irradiate an iguana into a giant monster that heads off to New York City. The American military must chase the monster across the city to stop it before it reproduces. The release date was May 20th of 1998. The budget, Rob, $130 million made $379 million at the box office, a smashing success for the movie Godzilla back in 98. Makes sense. This is, has all the makings of a summer blockbuster. It's your big ticket movie. I know Matthew Broderick didn't act great in this film, but he is a known star. Godzilla's a known story. It does not surprise me it's a box office smash. It's crazy because I'm sitting here and I'm reading the Wikipedia page and it says that this movie grossed around 379, 380 million worldwide. The production budget was between 130 and 150. It cost them 80 million to market. But despite this, it was considered a box office disappointment. I mean, you made probably a hundred million dollars at the box office on this. Now you spent maybe two fifty to make three eighty, so you might be a little bit disappointed in that. But I remember when this movie came out, and it was everywhere. You felt like it really was a big marketing push to get people to go see this film. I do have a fun fact. It was a less than stellar box office performance, but it did really well as a foreign film. It actually did better as a foreign film than an American film, which makes sense. Godzilla is a historically Japanese character based in Japanese lore, so I understand why as a foreign film it does better. So the numbers you're laying out are probably based on the entirety of its gross as opposed to its opening weekend, which disappointed because the movie, while not great, was disappointing. So the Wall Street Journal reported that this movie needs to gross $240 million domestically in order to be considered a success. And Sony expected the movie to gross $100 million during the film's opening weekend, which was Memorial Day weekend. That's kind of the unofficial start of summer. You kind of get that extra day. It only made $44 million on the opening weekend. Mm. So you were right about this movie not maybe being as well-received by the American viewer, but overseas was making an absolute killing, though. Mm -hmm. Overseas is where this one really buttered its bread, which is why I think people are hard on it in America, but I would imagine the studio and things were like, hey, this was overall a win for us because the checks are cashing, which is all that matters. So let me give you the opening week box office. Godzilla came in at number one at $44 million on its opening week. Deep Impact moved down from one to two. It made $15 million. This was the opening week for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I've actually never seen that movie before. Really? I've only heard a lot about it, though. Number four this week was Titanic. Rob, this was Titanic's 23rd week in the box office. Good and it Lord. was still top five back in 19. 1998, and a movie called Pauly came in at number five. That movie is courtesy of DreamWorks Productions. Those were the top five movies in 1998. You and I were chatting about this a little bit before we started this podcast. I liked this movie. I can see how in 98 this would have been a fun summer blockbuster. 
I don't think it was great by any means, but I was on the edge of my seat. I enjoyed it. I liked the characters. I thought it had a good plot. I liked the action. I thought it was some great action sequences in there. I was a fan of this movie. Like a lot of times on podcasts, have identified why this movie was poor and like the four things it did wrong. But I think in the pantheon of bad movies we watched, I don't think this one is that bad. It's actually done by the same director that did Independence Day. Okay. And when you think about Independence Day... There's a lot of similarities. The difference is I don't think the actors have enough star power and are as good, and I don't think the side stories are as solid as in Independence Day. But if you look at how Independence Day was done and look at how Godzilla was done, they're very similar. It's just it's clearly a B-player to Independence Day. Having said that, I don't think it's bad. I didn't dislike watching it. I didn't think to myself, good Lord, how much longer do I have left? So in the pantheon of movies we've done, not the worst, but I, I wouldn't call it good. But to me, that's the biggest difference in this movie. And Independence Day is a classic, so don't get me wrong here. I thought in this movie, they spent a majority of the money on the CGI and the effects mm-hmm. and building the monster. And the cast, I mean, one of the main characters is the voices from The Simpsons. Two of the main characters, seen, by the way. I've never seen him act before. When you look at Independence Day, you had Jeff Goldblum, you had Will Smith, you had Vivica A. Fox, you had Granny Quaid. Like, the cast from Independence Day is incredible. The cast from this is pretty disappointing for a movie that was a summer blockbuster. Oh, that's another fun fact. I have two fun facts here. I'm going to get them all, all the way fast. Hank Azaria, the person you mentioned who is the voice of a ton of Simpsons characters, there's a scene in the movie where he's chasing the monster with his camera and he's jumping from car to car. He says, oh, geez, as if he's Mo from The Simpsons. That's his voice. It's an Easter egg for Simpsons fans. And two, Matthew Broderick agreed to do this movie sight unseen. He had not seen a screenplay. He just knows the director was attached to it, and it was going to be Godzilla, and he signed up. Blank check, I'm in, let's roll. And I like Matthew Broderick. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a fantastic movie. I don't know that he should have just blindly agreed to this. I don't know they should have just called him like, you're our guy. You're right. Goldblum is a star. Will Smith is a star. Bill Pullman is a star. Matthew Broderick's probably in that same vein, but everyone else around him has zero cachet. He can't be your number one name on a movie. Correct. He can't be your number one. He can be your Bill Pullman. He can be a number three on Independence Day. He'd be great in that role. Hey, we need you to be an elite side character. But you can't ask him to go be Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. You can't. And the love interest in there. She had the personality of a rock. She was a terrible mm-hmm. character. The cast, Matthew Broderick is Dr. Nick Tatopoulos. Gene Reno is Felipe Roche. Maria Patillo is Audrey Timmons. Hank Azaria, is that how you pronounce his last Azaria. name? Azaria. Hank Azaria is Victor Animal Pilati. Kevin Dunn is Colonel Hicks. Michael Lerner is Mayor Epert. There are a bunch of characters in this movie. So the movie starts off, we're in the South Pacific Ocean, but not for very long as Godzilla attacks the ship. Ferris Bueller is out doing some experiment on earthworms when Landry Clark's dad from Friday Night Lights says, we got a new job for you. There is one survivor from that boating accident, and he tells the doctor what he saw. Godzilla. Why is he flashing the lighter in front of him to get him to come to life? That is one of the oddest things I've seen, like... I know that you're trying to have him come to, like he's in shell shock or whatever, but he just flashes a lighter in his face. He goes, oh, Godzilla. What? That was, uh, huh? 
I was just surprised how many times that scene continued to come up in the movie. That's true. Like that scene came up like seven times in the movie. You didn't really think it was that big of a deal, but you, why are we? Why do we keep showing this flashback of what it is? Uh, a team of scientists are put together to track the very large footsteps that they've discovered. I like this scene where Matthew Broderick is standing in there, and he's like, "What are you supposed to be investigating?" He's like, "You're standing." He's like, "I don't see it." That's what I'm trying to say. I'm a biologist. I take radioactive samples and I study them. That's great. Here's your sample. Study it. What sample? You're standing in it. I don't see it. Where is it? I don't see it. I don't see it. And then they do the wide shot, and then you see the footprints of the thing. Mm -hmm. I like this scene. I thought the movie did a really good job of sort of building the lore of Godzilla up until you actually saw it. And I thought, I, I think the CGI actually holds up pretty well in this movie. Like, when you see the structure, you're like, oh, my goodness, what are they about to do with this thing? I thought they did a really good job in the first, like, 25, 30 minutes of really setting up where you're like, yo, this monster's about to be a problem. Yeah, I, they do a really good job of that. And probably unfair the movie because I compared it to the Brian Cranston Godzilla. Remember that one that came out in, like, 2016? So I compared it a lot to that when I watched the movie, which is unfair because the movie was made in 98. Brian Cranston's movie was made in 2016. I thought both those movies did a good job of leading to the lore of seeing Godzilla. I thought while they spent a lot of their money on CGI, and I think for 1998 the CGI is fine, I struggled at times to identify how big and strong when they eventually showed the monster it was. I think the CGI on the actual monster could have been a little bit crispier. Maybe that's just 1998. But as far as building to the lore, I love that they built to, we haven't seen it yet, what's it doing, it's in the South Pacific, it's swimming, it's doing all this stuff. I liked the build-up. I didn't think the actual show was worth it. The thing that really stood out to me about Godzilla, and we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I don't know if you can really spoil this movie that much, is... I mean, it's Godzilla. We know what's coming. Yeah, I was surprised at how passive the animal was. The animal was not really aggressive. Mm -mm. The animal was really aggressive because you kept trying to attack it. I don't care what it is. If you keep trying to attack me with bullets and missiles and I can tell you're trying to harm me, yeah, then I'm going to cause a problem. But the animal really wasn't causing any issues. But I understand you don't want this big dinosaur or walking around your mm -hmm. city, but the animal really wasn't there to hurt anybody. No, and that's one of the reasons I, one of the things I thought about this movie where if you went back and redid it, you could fix it and trim it up because Godzilla is just a mother who's trying to lay eggs and nest and build a family essentially and run and hide from the big bad humans doesn't really hit. I wish they had made Godzilla, I want to say more villainous, I guess that's the best way to say it, where he's just out to no good. He came out of the ocean. He's ready to destroy everything and everyone in his path. This makes Godzilla almost a likable character in a way. And the fact that you feel bad, it's a mother trying to protect its children. It's Godzilla. But you're kind of like, you don't feel that I want to destroy the monster thing because it is just more docile running from humans, hiding energy as opposed to true Godzilla destruction. There's a Me Too situation happening at the news station in the Jeep. Why are these two storylines in the movie? Mm -hmm. Why is the scientist hitting on Matthew Broderick? Why is the news reporter a creep to the female reporter? 
It had really no purpose in it. I guess the purpose for the news station is she needs to eventually get the confidence to go out on her own. She's been working for three years, working behind the news guy. She won't give her the opportunity. She eventually has to go take the opportunity. I felt like you could have communicated that without having the main character of the movie, basically the narrator of the movie. We know he's a creep. Yeah, here's the thing. I... uh we talk about this a lot on po- on the podcast. Bad movies tend to, to have too many plot lines. They don't do one or two things really well. They try to do like nine things. They do them all mediocre. The newswoman's storyline was so boring to me. I do not care that you are a career woman. I do not care that you chased your dream in New York. Your dream is being a news person, by the way. I wouldn't call that chasing your dream, but that's not here or there. I don't care that you're the assistant and you're trying to make it big. I I didn't care about any of that. So to try to really sell that storyline, which I never was buying... They add this Harvey Weinstein type newsman on creepy top of man. it, creepy dude, like Mr. Nasty she man. Was Mr. Nat. So they're really trying to push this storyline, and they add this Me Too, and then very 1998, she tells her friend and or friends about it, and they're like, "Yeah, he's a creep." No one's gonna do anything about this. This man is making unwanted sexual advances and holding your career hostage. And your game plan is complain to your buddies. It just that one, that whole thing does not hold up in the light of 2023. It does, it just doesn't. And then it made it even more silly whenever she eventually goes to tell him, "Hey, my ex boyfriend is on the team, and he just isn't interested in listening." Like, how are you the best news guy? He's like, I'm, "This is a story for the big boys, little girl, and I'm the man." Like, what? Now like, we add some this, sexism. This person has been your right hand for three years. She goes and tells you, hey, the guy on the television, I know the guy on the inside, and you just don't have any interest, then you steal her story. It was a, He was nasty. He was one of the worst characters in the movies. A lot going on with him. By the way, he's also one of the voices in The Simpsons. They had two voice characters from The Simpsons. Which one is he? I don't even, I don't watch The Simpsons. He's in, a, he's, I mean, there's a lot of the different voices, but Harry Shearer and Hank Azaria are multiple voices in The Simpsons, and they're both in this movie because, I guess, Simpsons pandemonium was at an all-time high, and that's what they got. The director must really love The Simpsons. <laughs> well, Godzilla doesn't discriminate. He will destroy your small shrimp boat, and he will also destroy your big ocean liner. Matthew Broderick has already figured out what Godzilla was 20 minutes into the movie. Do you think that we unsolved this way too early? Yes. Because Matthew Broderick is sitting there with them. I believe they're on the plane when they have this conversation. And he basically tells you, hey, this is what Godzilla is. This is where he came from. This is why Godzilla happened. You're like... Oh, okay. Like, it wasn't a whole lot of the discovery of trying to figure out what Godzilla was. No. And the fact that he just says it, he's like, what's the deal with my earthworms? And everyone in the room's like, oh, that's the answer. The scientist woman who had been there before, the redheaded chick, she was like, I think it's this. The other scientist, who's useless, just agreed, and he was like, no, Why no, is that no. other guy even there? Why are there three of them? There only really needed to be two. They it needed to be the either. redhead woman and Matthew Broderick. Honestly, they didn't need the redhead woman. Trim, trim her storyline out. Just have the army go to Matthew Broderick, and that way this discovery feels a little more authentic. But the fact that the other woman, who's been there longer, is like, yep, it's a dinosaur, and he's like, no, it's not. This is where I think her role came in, her role came in handy. Whenever they eventually fire Matthew Broderick, she is the one that goes and says, hey, what if he was right this entire time? He told you guys what was going on, and you didn't believe him because of the media leak. What if he was right? I actually think that was her only purpose. The other scientists had apps. I don't even remember his name. I don't remember a speaking role that he had. Yeah. I thought the redhead woman had a role, though. She had one small role, but I've, I think if you trim that role out, I think it's fine. You can have someone in the military, again, we're jumping ahead, 
have the realization we got to search for the nest. I don't think you need her to then go back and, you know, rehash that thing. I think she serves, if that's her only purpose, she can be removed pretty easily. One thing that's crazy about this, and I wrote this down in my notes, was seeing the World Trade Center so many times yes. in those wide shots. You know? Because it wasn't that long before the actual attacks in 2001. This is in 98, just seeing the wide shot. And, you know, they kept focusing on the island. And I thought they had some really cool shots of New York City. By the way, real quick, I this is not a fun fact. I actually, like you mentioned that, it got me thinking. There's a scene, and we're jumping all over, I know, but where he's talking about when they first showed the monster and the creepy news guy is doing the news report and he literally says this is the most devastating thing to happen to new york since the world trade center was bombed earlier this century and you're like oh yeah the actual world trade center catastrophe we had not experienced yet to date the world trade center bombing which in hindsight was pretty benign compared to what happens later is the biggest deal like it kind of is jarring like oh yeah there is something else to happen in the world trade center so we learned that the news girl and Ferris Bueller used to be college sweethearts. An old man is fishing at the dock when he thinks that he's reeled in the big one, and he did. Hey, Joe, gonna catch one of them little fish in the East River? <laughs> I hope so. But you never know. I mean, today could be my lucky day. The only thing you don't want to catch is a cold. Hey! I, I got a fight! He reeled in Godzilla, and Godzilla begins to attack NYC. What the hell is that? But not really attack NYC. Manhattan is being evacuated, and the hunt is on to find Godzilla. And they are trying to draw him out with an all-you-can-eat salmon buffet. Why is it raining so much in New York City? The entire movie, by the way. It never stops raining. It's monsoon season, apparently. Why is it raining so much? What is the reason for the incompetent mayor's right-hand man or not the main military guy? Because there was the one main military guy yeah. that was definitely in charge. But the guy that he kept relaying orders to was an idiot. Mm -hmm. I kept hearing Bink's voice in my head about the uh, bumbling criminals, the mm -hmm. bumbling idiots from the one we did on Air Bud. Mm -hmm. what, what are the purpose for these two people? They had no reason to be in this movie. thousand percent. I actually, again... If you want to make this movie better, I'm just going through and I'm trimming up plot lines that don't even exist. The mayor's re-election and the mayor's right-hand man. We didn't need the political strife the mayor is going through in this movie at all. And again, it reminds me of, you know, how there's like the little sniveling, I think it's defense secretary and uh, independence. He keeps telling Bill Pullman, you can't do this. you got to nuke the da-da-da. I think that's supposed to be that same plot line. It's done worse. It's terrible. I don't like the mayor or the mayor's side thing. Get rid of them. The second military guy, other than the fact that he just keeps saying, O'Neal, what are you seeing? And he's like, uh, uh, and he can't figure it out because it's hard to, like, you know, verbalize Godzilla. That served no purpose. So those two storylines make no sense to me. As for the actual fish thing, this is one of my fun facts. The people who made Godzilla had rules on what Godzilla can or can't do. They never wanted to show him physically eat a person, but they did say you can physically show him eat fish at a high level. That's why the fish thing keeps coming up over and over and over again in the film. Well, I actually like that part, and it goes to what we were just talking about, that Godzilla was really not lethal towards Correct. human beings. 
And I also thought it kind of brought home the storyline later. Hey, she's collecting all of these fish because she's trying to feed her young. So she Mm -hmm. knows that whenever they hatch, they're going to come out hungry and they need their own food. That's why you get to the end scene and we don't got to skip that far ahead now. But I lost confidence in our military watching this movie. Mm -hmm. They were so bad. They had multiple failed missions. And the Navy also blew up themselves. Blew up themselves. And then we think that they kill Godzilla. I don't want to spoil it. They don't kill Godzilla right then. Our military fumbled this about six times before they finally... They destroyed the Chrysler Building. They destroyed the Brooklyn Bridge. They blew up Madison Square Garden. New York City will never be the same. No. that I feel like this entire first chase, when they first get the fish, and then they're in the chase scene, and Matthew Broderick survives a statue nearly falling on him. I think this whole scene just highlights, like, it's like the director wanted to show that, hey, I've blown up the White House. I've blown up, you know, L.A. I've blown up things. Watch, I'm me, keep blow up, watch me blow New York up. This will be fun because we did not need the military to look like bumbling idiots. Hey, we got missiles locked on. Godzilla, who's a giant monster. But we keep missing, and we're hitting New York landmarks. But we get cool action shots of New York landmarks exploding. That, that seemed like the only purpose of that whole chase. So they try to draw Godzilla out with the all-you-can-eat salmon buffet. Well, it works, and Ferris Bueller is now face-to-face with the creature. I love this scene, one of my favorite scenes of the movie, where Ferris Bueller, Nick Dottopoulos, Matthew Broderick, tells them what to do to get the mm-hmm. animal out. The animal then comes out. Très bizarre, non? No. Very clever. That's a lot of fish. The animal then doesn't harm him. That's when I was like, hold on, God's, y'all have Godzilla kind of wrong here. Like, mm-hmm. Godzilla would have eaten Matthew Broderick if he was a deadly creature. He wasn't a deadly creature. He then takes a picture. I actually really like that scene. Good pay placement by uh, what would be Kodak at the time. Mm. To get your, what are those called? Disposable camera. Disposable cameras, camera. Yeah. Thank you. A time has elapsed so much that I use one. Great product placement there to get that in the movie. Despite Godzilla not being dangerous in any way, the military is firing at will, which only causes more destruction in the process. We then find out that our two, our two past and future lovebirds reconnect and our mad scientist is still hurt about their failed connection. We also find out that Godzilla is pregnant. How did we find this out? How did we find out that Godzilla was pregnant? I don't know. Matthew Broderick goes to a bodega, which somehow isn't closed, even though the city is closed. That part was weird to me. What, is he in New Jersey? I don't know. I think he's in New Jersey. He's buying about 9,000 pregnancy tests, and for no reason, the person behind the desk is like, got you. Like, you don't think that's weird? He's asking for... I don't know how he thought that. I don't know why he investigated that. But then we find out, oh, man, she's pregnant. He's like, that's when he leaves his former girlfriend in the tent all by herself. For some reason, he thought this woman who wanted to be a reporter in her career and chasing a story wouldn't betray him. And lo and behold, guess what happens next? So homegirl steals the tape and believes that this is going to be her big break, except it's not. And in the process, she gets her ex-boyfriend fired. I can't stress this enough. Her character is so bad Mm -hmm. like so bad the acting here i want to know how this person got cast to be the love interest in godzilla she had no memorable scenes the time where they ask her where she's crying in the bedroom about it's it's so bad i hated the love interest in here so where she had a she had a sweet down home she moved from Mm -hmm. iowa to try to chase her big city dreams that was really the only thing that she had going for she comes clean to him as he is getting shipped off the French Secret Service man kidnaps Ferris Bueller and then takes them back to their headquarters to team up in an effort to stop Godzilla. Well, our guy from The Simpsons 
Hank, what's his last name? Azaria. Hank Azaria is snooping, doing some real undercover reporting. He finds out this plan that he's going to tag along here. Can we talk about real quick how they made this French secret service group, SEAL Team 6? And I liked the, them, though. I liked them, but the American military is bumbling idiots. Meanwhile, this French group of surgical. six guys are surgical. surgical. And they have that scene where they're in that warehouse, the one you're talking about, where he, they have they have enough artillery and weaponry to bring down Canada. And he's like, how would you do this in the country? Oh, we bought it. The French secret service is... You know, MI6? Like, what? What? How are they able to operate without the United States having absolutely no clue that they are here? I mean, the French people, I mean, they brought in their best. They're mm-hmm. buying tanks. They're buying weapons. They're investigating. You guys just didn't have any. I'm telling you, this movie made me lose hope in our military. I thought our military was the best of the best of the best, sir. They weren't in this movie. No, they were They were outsmarted by Hank Azaria, a cameraman. Not even, not even a journalist, a cameraman. They're outsmarted by him that every turn. He had a lot of journalistic heads up, though. He did, but which is surprising. Not that saying cameramen aren't journalists, but it's not like they're investigative reporters. And they got outdone by a guy who was at every event and kept saying, I'm an insurance person. The military can't figure out the guy saying he's an insurance person is actually a French Secret Service person. They could never figure it out. He's at like seven of the events and they never find out he's French Secret Service. It's like astonishing to me. Hank Azaria goes back to our failed reporter and tells her the scoop. She's crying in the room. She agrees to tag along to help find the nest. Well... Sometimes you get what you're looking for. They find Godzilla where Ferris Bueller knew that he would be. The military has another failed mission to try to destroy Godzilla. This is the one where they try to draw him into Central Park. So they try to get him into the open area. The failed military bumbling idiot guy, he fires on Godzilla too early. Godzilla had some of the Barry Sanders-like shakes and bakes. Mm. They fired a lot of artillery at Godzilla and missed 99% of the fire shots. Here's one thing, and it's highlighted in this scene. I didn't like about this movie. Godzilla is supposed to be this massive, intimidating figure who is difficult to bring down because he's Godzilla. They made Godzilla a shifty scat running back who can get from left to right. (laughs) He was Austin Eckler. He can get in and out of subway holes. He can hide in the city in plain sight they did not make him at all menacing he's not this you know 55 foot monster who breathes fire he's just or she i guess is just barry sanders she's just jarek mckinnon he she just runs around and hides as opposed to actually does any destructive work i think it highlights why i don't think they did godzilla the actual thing well they they don't show a menacing you know reptilian monster they show a velociraptor who's bigger? It just wasn't well done, in my opinion. So the Army, they have a couple of failed missions here. The Navy then gets in once Godzilla dives into the water. the water. They have a failed the, mission. The Navy then, they blow themselves up. We then think that they potentially get Godzilla, but no, that is not the end of it. Ferris Bueller and the French find the nest. The nest is at Madison Square Garden. There's a lot of eggs. I mean a lot of eggs. And the eggs start hatching. And now it's time to hightail it out of there. The escape from Madison Square Garden has taken place. Our French Secret Service and our two news folks have decided to take over the television to let the city know that the dinosaurs have taken over Madison Square Garden. I actually liked the end of the movie. It's funny because I didn't like the last maybe 10 minutes. Like I didn't think there was any reason for Godzilla to come back. Mm-hmm. 
I would have loved if the movie had ended with them blowing up Madison Square Garden. They have killed all of the baby Godzillas, and maybe there was one egg that they forgot. Yeah. I didn't really think that we needed one additional Godzilla scene, but I thought the tension at Madison Square Garden was good. I really enjoyed that. I thought the Madison Square Garden scene was really well done. I liked it. I even liked the, I thought it was kind of goofy and silly, but I liked the camera thing. Hey, our network has the Rangers game. I'm going to connect to our TV affiliate. And the TV affiliate in the truck's like, we don't have a Ranger game on, which, okay. But I liked all of that. You're right. What I didn't like is after they blow up MSG and they get the nest and it's this big win, you don't need a second chase scene with Godzilla. You can tease Godzilla is still alive. You can show him in the water. There, there are things you can do to tease Godzilla is still an entity in the movie and we're moving on, but oh, there's unresolved, da-da-da-da. You didn't need this second chase scene where apparently we have Cab, which has nitrous in it, because it's moving around New York Yo, City so was, well. Was, I mean, it was Paul Walker. He was doing great work. Brian O'Connor. And this Godzilla was chasing him and catching up and then running right past him. We threw the brakes on. That whole cab scene was terrible. I did not like it. I didn't like the Brooklyn Bridge thing. I didn't like when they were in its mouth. None of that was good to me. If they walked away from MSG and it's on fire and that's fade to black, I think that's and maybe like a little bit, uh-oh, he's, like, you see like a... Can fade out of black. You feel like the better in the, the water. Movie. Yeah, I think it's better. But instead, we have this goofy second battle with Godzilla, which I didn't like at all. Why? Why was Godzilla still alive? How was Godzilla still alive? Like I wrote down, is this a second Godzilla? Because I thought they killed him the first time. I don't mind if he's still alive, but make it like a you know a cliffhanger. Don't make it like he's alive and now he's back and we have to keep fighting him. Turn the F-18s around. What? We're getting him caught in the Brooklyn Bridge. Now the goofy, bumbling second military guy has a singular purpose. Talk about the redhead chick having a singular purpose. I did not like the return of Godzilla. It was almost like they were sort of forced to make it two yeah. hours. And like, all right, we got to find a way to get 20 more minutes into this movie. Oh, well, let's just make Godzilla come back. It just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. The military is coming. So the, the people hear what happened with the news. So it actually works. So they were able to broadcast to the city. The military is coming. And our heroes have six minutes to evacuate. Or they're going to get blown to smithereens. Well, the good news is they got that message. The bad news is we got less than six minutes to get out of the building. Okay, party's over. Time to leave. Right as our friends think they've shaken off the baby creatures, there's more in front of the exit. Well, they devise a plan to escape, and they escape just in the nick of time. Oh, you like that one? Mm -hmm. They escape oh. in the nick of time. Our lovebirds finally kiss, and we think everything is good, and then another creature appears. How many of these things are there? A ridiculous chase ensues. Godzilla gets trapped in the cables of the Brooklyn Bridge. They kill him. Godzilla is dead. Our lovebirds are off to live happily ever after. And the Frenchman steals the tape that our guy Hank Azaria has been making the entire mm -hmm. last hour of the movie. <laughs> I don't know how he loses it either. I mean, again, we make French Secret Service look like, you know, James Bond. He's able to take a tape out of it and then sneak out and make a... F He's going to make a phone call on a, uh, what are those things called? I'm the payphone. Payphone. I could not get there. They don't exist anymore, so it threw me off. I'm at a payphone. Yeah, he goes to a payphone, and which had been down 30 seconds earlier, and he makes a call saying, hey, I'll give your friend his tape back later. French Secret Service, again, elite.
Our good friends at Rotten Tomatoes, they give this film a 19% approval based on 147 reviews with an average rating of 4.5 out of 10. Its critical consensus states, quote, without compelling characters or heart, Godzilla stomps on everything that made the original or any monster movie worth its salt a classic. That's the biggest flaw of this movie to me is the compelling characters. I actually do think that there's a heart in this movie. I think they spent so much of the budget on CGI, Godzilla, blowing up shit in New York City, and all of these other things that when it came down to actually put the cast together, you get Matthew Broderick, the dude from The Simpsons, and the blonde-haired, curly-haired chick. I just think the cast is just... This is one of the most underwhelming cast Mm -hmm. for a major motion picture that I can remember. I would agree. I think... I can understand why they spent their money on the CGI. And while I was hard on the CGI, because as time has elapsed, it doesn't hold up to the light of 2023, I do understand why they did that. The star of the movie should be the Godzilla. It shouldn't be the side characters. But the star of Independence Day is not the aliens. It's the characters. And it's the same guy. I don't understand why he didn't say, hey, let's not use 90% of our budget on Godzilla. Let's use 85 and do a little bit of, you know, finesse movie magic to make it feel bigger but bring in another a-level star matthew broderick would have been perfect in the jeff goldblum character that secondary piece but as the lead he does not do a good enough job and it falls a little short of what i think this movie could be you will be shocked to know that roger eper did not like this movie Stunner. and gave this movie a one and a half out of four a one and a half out of four stars roger eper not a big fan of this movie saying quote one must carefully repress intelligent thought while while watching such a film <laughs> Roger Eper, not a fan of the 1998 Godzilla. I didn't think that he was going to be a fan of this movie. No, he's not a fan of a lot of the movies we do, but I he seems to be extra hard on what could be summer blockbusters that have high expectations. He's the person that brings the hammer and bashes down expectations. I'm not stunned that he crushed it. I do agree. You have to kind of suspend, not just suspend belief, but suspend intelligence at time to really enjoy this movie. Like I said earlier, the monster is Austin Eckler. He's darting in and out of buildings in New York City, no problem. That's not the Godzilla that I imagined. It's this giant monster that destroys cities, not hides in them. So I understand where Roger Ebert is coming from. It's not a very good film. His friend Siskel said this, and goes with what you said, quote, why place us in the movie if you aren't going to have us eaten or be squashed by the monster? Yep. Godzilla was just a little bit too docile, man, just a little too compassionate for our guy Gene Siskel. I mean, we talked about it earlier. They almost make him a lo- him or her. I guess it's a him that like is a productive, but it's too docile. It's too likable as a character. You almost walk away when it dies and its children die, and you think to yourself, "I kind of feel bad for the monster." You should not walk away from Godzilla with any sort of sadness or wonder about the monster. Even the final scene, where Matthew Broderick's walking up to it, and it slowly closes its eye, and the light goes out of its eyes. You kind of feel for the monster. Why am I feeling sympathy for Godzilla? Godzilla's a destruct- destroyer of worlds. I should feel like we have to beat Godzilla, not, aw, they got him, aw, they killed his kids. That's sad. I should never feel that about Godzilla. Here's we go where we get to when, a, uh, when it... Here we go. We get to when a hero comes along. Rob, give me a person, place, scene, thing, etc. that you thought tried to save this movie. I actually think, as much as I was hard on how silly the French Secret Service is as like this secret super-duper police. I like the main dude. I like the main dude. I think he's funny. I think he's quirky. I think he has some laughs. I think there's some 
very slap-you-in-the-face French-American humor in there, but he also does a good job of being like the military man and having ideas and leading. I think the French Secret Service guy, Jean whatever, is actually my favorite part of the movie. I'm going to give him when my hero rises. I actually like the way that they use media in this movie. Okay. I like the fact that Hank Azaria was a camera guy, and while Godzilla's chasing him, he does it. Now, I hated the fact that... I actually wish they had done a little bit more with that. Like, whenever we get to see his shot, his camera shot of Godzilla, I wish it was better. I wish we get to see the camera view of when they're in the car and Godzilla's chasing him. I wish we had dove more into the media side of it. But I like the fact that that guy was the narrator. I hate the fact that he was Mr. Nasty Man and mm-hmm. that he was a creep, but I like the way that they use the news and the media as a way, as a backdrop of kind of pushing the story forward. I thought it was pretty creative. I'm going to give that my hero award today. So in that same vein, the thing I don't like about this movie, the thing I, I doing too much is I felt like the girl's storyline had too much going on. It was she's, bad. She's the love interest of Matthew Broderick. She's the assistant of Mr. Nasty Man. She's spurning his sexual advances. She wants to be a reporter. She betrays Matthew Broderick to be a reporter. I agree. The way they use media is interesting and fun as a narrator, essentially, in the film. But she has too much going on with her backstory. She's a side character. We don't need 20 minutes of backdrop to who she is, what she's trying to do, and build her career. She and her whole storyline get my doing too much. She just wasn't compelling enough. My doing too much is just going to be some of the side characters. Like I think you probably could have eliminated probably five characters in the movie and just made the movie better. Mm-hmm. Like To your point, we didn't really need the mayor. The mayor didn't really provide a lot, but if you want to keep the mayor, that's cool. Why is that other person there with him? Like, why are we showing his interaction with him? Why is the main military dude just completely incompetent? I actually didn't like all of those characters. Thought we could have narrowed that down just a little bit. I would have completely recast the Matthew Broderick love interest. Like, I, mm-hmm. I thought she was just weak. I just thought she was a very weak actress. She didn't do it. Is she, she in anything else? I mean, I'll look her up real quick. I don't think so. I literally was like, she, who is she? It was my first thought, which I know there are movies in the 90s where, like, I was a kid, so you don't like know, like, oh, she was also in these other films I would have never seen. But let's see here. She is Audrey. She is also in Tra- Chaplin, True Romance, and Natural Born Killers. The answer is no, then. So no. <laughs> the answer yeah. is no. She ain't in a whole lot more than just this. This movie is a 5.4 on IMDb out of 10. Is that too much, too little, or just right? I'm actually going to say just right. I think, like we talked about a lot on podcasts, I can see the good movie they were trying to make. They just did too much, too many storylines. To your point, let's trim some characters out. I think because they did too much, and I think because the actual acting, the actual actors were not at the star level we should have experienced with a film like this, I think for those reasons, the number is just right. I'd love to come on and crush it for the bad CGI, but I think it's bad CGI from a 2023 perspective. I think that CGI is fine in 1998, so I kind of have to be like, all right, that's a little unfair by me. But I don't think the movie's worse than people think, but I don't think it's better. It could have been better. There's definitely a higher ceiling than there is low basement, but I think this number is just about right. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit too low. I actually enjoyed this movie. Like, I would watch this movie again. I don't think that it's that far off. I would probably get a a 5.7 as opposed to a 5.4. I think it's a little bit better than what the rating says, but I'd probably give Godzilla a 5.7. I came away, like, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fun. I thought it was entertaining. I was glued in the entire time. It got me from start to finish. I like this movie. I would tell somebody, hey, 
Check out Godzilla. I think you'll like it. So, yeah, 5.7 for would me. Would you tell them that today or would you tell them that in 9099? Because I think those are two different things. In 99, I'm definitely with you. I'm telling people to go check out Godzilla. But I've seen the Godzilla storyline. Now, albeit time has helped, but I've seen the Godzilla storyline done better. So I don't know I'm telling people to go see the 98 yeah, one. Yeah, I actually haven't seen that one, so okay, that's, that's probably fair. why I feel that way about it. Uh, I This is a movie that I would watch if it was on television. Okay. I don't know if I would advise you to turn on Tubi. And watch this movie. That's fair. It's one of those, I'm vacuuming, it's on, and if I walk out of the room, okay, it's Godzilla. I don't need to see it, see it type movie. Is that kind of the gist? Okay. Yeah, that's about where I would put it. That was our review today for Godzilla, the 1998 movie with Matthew Broderick and a bunch of other people that we don't know. Next week, we get back in our kids' movie bag with Good Burger. We'll also get back to having guests. John Kurtz is going to come back. As you remember, John Kurtz was here with us when we did Nacho Libre. He's going to come back, and he's going to review Good Burger next week on the podcast. Very excited to do that. It's been a long time since I've seen Good Burger. I love to finish. I loved Good Burger as a kid. Like, loved, loved it. So I'm really excited to see Good Burger again. We're going to find out if, it's, if it held up.